This is your fortnightly instalment where I interview a trailblazing physiotherapist that has shaped the profession we are today. In celebrating their journey, knowledge and insights, you gain the opportunity to plan and guide your own professional journey. My name is Doug Carey and welcome to Physio Plus 10. Welcome listeners to Physio Plus 10. It's a tremendous pleasure today to welcome our special guest, Emeritus Professor Lance Toomey AO. Lance, I normally ask guests why they decided to study physio in the first place, but I'd also like to ask you where you studied physiotherapy. Yes, the reason I started physiotherapy was that I was interested in sport and good at a number of sports and um, had come up against uh, uh, physios along the way uh, and admired what they were doing. And my father was very keen on me doing something like this. I had to choose, in fact, between physiotherapy and law, and I chose physiotherapy. Um, uh, In in West Australia at that stage, there was one school at the West Australian School of Physiotherapy, which was at Shenton Park, where I think you studied for for some time. And... um, it uh, in those buildings that you saw, which were transported buildings down from Kalgoorlie, I understand. But um, we also uh, had links with the University of West Australia, where we studied a number of courses: anatomy, physiology, um, histology, and um, the West Australian Technical College, where we studied physics and chemistry. Um, the other things we did at the West Australian School or we did at uh, the various hospitals around the place. And uh, it was that way for quite a long time until we came into White when it was formed, the West Australian Institute of Technology, in about 68 along the way. Can I just interrupt there a little, just briefly, just to clarify? So. Whilst you're studying physiotherapy, you were actually at three or four different venues for that sort of process? We had different venues, yes. Uh, we do um, anatomy at UWA. Uh, say a standard day would be to do that. I think we did physiology on a Saturday morning. Wow. Um, uh, histology, we did We did anatomy and, uh, and histology with the medical students uh, for some of the time. And we um, did physics and chemistry in the city in St George's Terrace at Perth Tech. And we also went to various hospitals. So practically, were you getting around on a push bike or did you have a car in those days? No, I didn't have a car. Um, we, we mostly went to a place for the day. So we started off, let's say, at, uh, if we're doing anatomy, we are at UWA for most of that day or at Perth Tech for a period of time. Or we caught buses, or after about 12 months, I managed to get a motor scooter, <laughs> and so I drove my Lambretta. And, and how many people were studying with you? Like how big was this, the class or the group at this stage? The, the, school, the school limit was 20, and they didn't make those numbers every year. Um, my first year was 20, but thereafter we were much below that. Um, it was 20 for a long time. When it went up to 40, 
there was great complaints from the private practitioners who thought they'd be swamped by graduates. Right. They, they certainly weren't. <laughs> and what was the gender ratio? Were you highly female to male ratioed? There were three males and 17 females. That's the game. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. And, and coming straight from a boys' school, I found that bit of overwhelming. I can concur with that. We had, uh, I think it was two blokes and 48 girls. So it was a, it was a great ratio. Now with, so what was, what was that under? It wasn't weight at that stage. What was it actually called? It, it was an independent entity. It was financed by the state government. It uh, had been put into place when the uh, polio epidemic uh, was widespread and there were many cases of, of particularly children's poliomyelitis. And um, so they decided rather than import physiotherapists all the time, they'd better start training their own. So that began in 51. Uh, I finished my leaving certificate in 57 and joined my first year in 58. And so really that was the impetus for the School of Physiotherapy to start in West Australia was the, the, the polio problem. That's right, Chanton Park. Right. So once you completed your undergraduate studies, you got your first paycheck, you got that freedom and I guess some professional status. What do you remember most about becoming a physiotherapist? Well, I remember relief at, doing, at coming there, uh, at finally getting there, but it was a, a, a good group of people that I was with and um, uh, you asked what the male ratio was like. Well, it changed dramatically. I was the only male in the class at the, in the final graduation, um, and I topped the class for, um, at that stage. But um, I think I topped it each year. Uh, I need to explain that to you too. My first year, I was a little overwhelmed by the presence of all those wonderful ladies there. And um, I didn't do well at all. So at the end of the year, they decided I should do it again. So I did it again. And, and thereafter, I topped each year. I decided uh, I'd better do a bit of work. So I did. And um, uh, that, was, um, that paid off uh, uh, dramatically after that. It was a three-year program. Right. So you completed the, the three years in the four and then you went into work. So what? how did your career sort of develop in those first five years? Um, well, extraordinarily well, really, because um, uh, I first uh, my first job was at Princess Margaret Hospital and I chose that because it had a couple of very good uh, physios there. Eric Stovell was one. He may have been someone you might just have come across, but uh, an Englishman who was uh, uh, a very good teacher and the head of school was a, uh, another Englishwoman named Elaine Marill, and they were, they were very excellent uh, at their job and, uh, and very good ambassadors, I think, for physiotherapy. So I spent a year there. And um, at the end of that year, I was called by the um, uh, repatriation department by the man who was uh, who headed up 
Repatriation Hospital, which was Hollywood Hospital at that stage, and asked if I would run a clinic for them in the city. And I ran what was in effect a, a practice clinic for, for private patients, uh, ex-servicemen and women, um, in William Street, on the bottom of William Street, one William Street in Perth. And uh, I ran that for about 15 months and uh, was then asked if I'd head up the, at the age of 23, whether I'd be head of the hospital department of physio. Uh, I had a staff of 10 uh, and two orderlies, so 12 altogether. So it was a quite remarkable sudden move from um, being a, a single practice physio to uh, running a staff of 10, physio 10 professional people and two, two orderlies. And um, I ran that for four to five years when um, I uh, was invited to come into the School of Physiotherapy as a lecturer. So I had a few years, I had six years of, um, of physical therapy, really, treatment, prior to um, my starting teaching. And uh, during that time, uh, I had a lot of students from the school coming through the hospital for their clinical practice. So does that all make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. So when I'm just trying to think that there you are, you're 20 year old, you've basically been put in staff, in charge of professional staff, 10 people, they wouldn't all have been younger than you, obviously. So you were dealing with some older people at that stage. How did you manage that? Yeah. So how did you manage that situation as a youngin? Well, it didn't seem to be a problem. I don't know why. Um, I'd been used to captaining sporting teams and, you know, the school uh, that I was at. Um, so I, I sort of had some practice at that, I guess. And um, it seemed to happen naturally. They accepted it. Um, uh, and um, I quite enjoyed it, I have to say. Yeah, okay. So then you started at the predecessor of Curtin University, which was called Waits in 1969. What were your initial roles and responsibility as an academic there? Okay, I was um, employed as a lecturer. Um, my... Uh, my role was, there were only three of us in the school, three teachers, um, Cliff White, who was the head of school, um, Pam Bell, who was a New Zealand-trained uh, physiotherapist, and myself, actually. Uh, so we had to basically do everything ourselves. So over a period of time, I taught everything from physiology and anatomy right through to clinical skills, um, massage, electrotherapy. Uh, over time, over a period of about five years, uh, I was given the task of rewriting the whole syllabus, so I did that. And I ended up teaching pretty much every program, uh, every, every subject that we had uh, progressively over time. And we had a clinical load as well, a clinical practice load as well with our students. So it was quite a, a complex um, uh, undertaking at that stage. Great training, really, because, uh, you know, you were thrown in at the deep end 
and had to uh, learn how to manage it. And um, so I, I think it was marvellous um, training management, uh, training, um, training in, in the, the handling of people uh, and, um, and handling the uh, organize, large organisations and their, uh, and, and their particular uh, things that they wanted you to do and, uh, and, uh, uh, and manage along the way. Yeah, I mean, that would have been pretty exciting times because you were literally, and I'm guessing at this time also, instead of going to the different venues, what it all amalgamated to Selby Street, Shen Park, everything was done in-house by this stage? Uh, not, not anatomy and not, and still not, um, uh, oh, hang on, let me just think about that. Physics and chem were still done at, um, uh, well, at... Uh, no, I'll, I'll, so start again. I'll start again with you there. We still had anatomy done at UWA, and um, and I began to help teach anatomy um, in the laboratory sessions. Um, we had some. Uh, we were at Chenton Park. Wait was at Bentley, where Curtin is these days. And that's where we did physiology and what else? Um, I think something else as well. But uh, so we still had travelling involved and, of course, travel to the clinical placements, which were primarily the major hospitals. Yeah. So then over, I guess you must have been lecturing for five or six or seven years, but you, it wasn't long before you actually were asked or became the head of School of Physio in 1975. So when we came into weight, Schools of Physio and OT came together um, progressively over a period of time. Initially, we were placed apart, but placed within the one school. And the head of school was a psychologist named Jack Gilbert. Um, Jack Gilbert ran that place for about three to four years um, and um, progressively I got more and more involved in aspects of the management and general running of the place. Um, I, uh, at the same time, began a, a teaching qualification which was at uh, weight um, the equivalent of what these days would be a graduate diploma in um, in education, so a teaching, you know, teaching skills, management, the usual sort of thing, took took two years, and um, uh, that was the first of the other qualifications, I guess, that I picked up along the way. And at this stage, had you become the head of physiotherapy? Um, I became a, I became acting head of physiotherapy in in 1974, um, and um, was appointed permanent head in 1975. Okay, and what would you say were your guiding principles? Because it sounds like you've done a lot of leadership, even leading up to this point. But what would you say are your guiding principles as a leader and also head of the school of physio? Well, I think. Um, as head of school of physio, we'd, we'd expanded dramatically. We had many more students in place than before. We were working toward a, a degree, 
um, putting a degree structure together, and we begun the process of postgraduate work. Um, we'd, uh, we'd built on um, the manual therapy, the manipulative therapy uh, aspects. Uh, we ran um, uh, a couple of conferences, Australia-wide conferences in 72, around about that. We had a couple of excellent, very young people on staff. Uh, Brian Edwards was one. Maureen Lissaman was probably the smartest of them, uh, who, who was working with us at the time. Uh, and then progressively people like Bob Elvey came on in. So we had a very young teaching um, establishment and, um, and a very active one. Uh, and also... Um, uh, a, a quite uh, um, aggressive one. Uh, we were keen to see physiotherapy change dramatically or we probably felt we had to get out of it at that stage. It was a bit, bit, uh, bit uh, old-fashioned and passive, really. So it became a much more active program and we were very involved then in seeing how we could upgrade the qualifications. And the first of these was to get a degree for physiotherapy itself rather than what we had before, which was a simple diploma. And the first part of that too involved getting the staff uh, with at least the qualifications that we were giving the students. So we had a, a program of um, degree completion where we gave each, you know, the staff were involved in, in a program of exercise and activity that, that slowly got, um, got us to a stage where we could uh, accept a, a degree from weight. Okay. Now, you mentioned a very interesting thing, and I'm not quite, it would be great if you could explain it a bit further. The physiotherapy was kind of passive, and now you're wanting it to become more active. Was that a, a perception of the profession from externally, or what do you mean by that? Um, it was very much centred on um, uh, the, the, the passive part probably was more applied to younger people coming into the into seek treatment um, the treatment that was mostly given tended to be some form of electrotherapy some form of massage and a few exercises the program was nowhere near as as concentrated as current you know as it as it then became, we, we moved much more into exercise physiology, into uh, a deeper knowledge of anatomy, uh, a knowledge of the benefits of, uh, of exercise and how to prescribe and, um, and um, bring that about. We also learned much more in terms of pathology, which became important clinically for us, uh, rather than um, the fairly basic way um, we went about work before. So, you know, if, if mostly what you're doing is applying some form of heat or electrotherapy, followed by some form of massage, followed by a few exercises, you know, you might get somewhere, but not all that far and not all that fast. 
And uh, there was a lot of change happening elsewhere around the place in the country, and we were a bit slow and a bit late in starting that. But although we started late, we accelerated rapidly and soon got to the front of the um, of the list in in uh, in Australia. Interestingly enough, and uh, and became well known overseas. Yeah. Did it make sense that? Were there some things that you? Yeah, no, that's it's 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 really interesting because I guess there's a bit of a resurgence in that kind of direction even now in the last five years. There's a bit of an accusation levelled at the some by some at the physio profession that we become too much providers of passive services and not enough of active service and um, integration of patient goals and requirements. And it's interesting that the wheel does seem to circle around uh, whether you look yeah. at the. Yeah, whether it be a muscle problem or a joint problem and then it, it sort of goes around every 20 or 30 years, it sounds like the whole argument of what's considered active and passive has gone around as well at the same time. I remember as an undergraduate attending one of your lecturers um, in anatomy and I guess we could jump to this, but you were doing studies at this time at UWA yourself and you, you dragged out these large sheets of butcher paper in, in the front of the, um, the, the lecture hall and you grabbed some multicoloured uh, whiteboard markers and you were drawing the, the lumbar spine and points of origin insertion and action and honestly we were we were quite mesmerized it was, it was pretty awesome just seeing this whole thing unfold sort of evolve in front of us and i remember when you left the room there was a bit of an arm wrestle for people to get to the front to grab some of those bit pieces of butcher paper <laughs> that you had drawn on. <laughs> well, I, don't know. And so, I love teaching i have to tell you that i really enjoyed the whole process of teaching and um, uh, but uh, you know, I also thought physiotherapy was very worthwhile, but not active enough, and uh, and not knowledgeable enough. Yeah. And so that's uh, that's why that big emphasis there. Uh, you mentioned my studying at UWA at the same time. <laughs> uh, you see, we we didn't really uh, um, we hadn't a degree. We we did a diploma when we went through, and diploma stayed in place for quite a long time. Um, I felt if we were going to be teaching degrees, we needed degrees ourselves and we needed to uh, understand better what we were doing. So a few of us did different things. Um, Two of us, Brian Edwards and myself, both did anatomy um, a couple of other people, June Rankin Wilson would have been one person who then came on staff a little later. She had done psychology at UWA as well and uh, utilised a lot of that into the program. And we pro- progressively managed to pick up other people that came back to West Australia from overseas where they'd been in Canada and the United States and had... Um, uh, done other programs themselves. So we became bigger, more active, more involved, more complex, um, with the whole aim being to lift the profession up from where it was um, and have it as a, a, an integral part of medical practice. And um, basically that happened pretty well and as I think of it now, uh, quite rapidly, although at the time it seemed pretty slow to us all. 
Well, you're in the thick of it, so it's sometimes it's hard to realise when things are changing when you're actually sort of within them. Now, your Bachelor of Science is at UWA. That then developed into your doctorate? I did a Bachelor of Science honours degree, uh, and uh, when I went to go to UWA, uh, I got no credit for any of the work I'd done in physiotherapy, so I had to start all over again. So it was an entirely separate degree. Uh, it was an honours degree. Uh, I included in it, and this is the great concession they gave me, I was allowed to do uh, anatomy, second-year anatomy, with the medical students. So I did the full section program, the full, um, you know, uh, anatomy, histology, physiology, and, um, and did well and uh, got distinctions in all that. And so that was a very useful thing to do. And at the same time, began to teach anatomy to our undergraduate students. So got immersed in that. Um, I did a double degree, in fact, at UWA in anatomy and anthropology. Um, and in fact, I really liked anthropology a great deal. I won a couple of prizes in that. But um, Anatomy uh, was the focus because that really is the, the basis of physiotherapy, if you really stop to think about it, a knowledge of the way the body works and is put together and how it both ages and um, is affected by trauma and life generally and uh, what one needs to do to be able to um, do something about that. So I thought that was a very, you know, it, it was a very complementary process to, uh, to manage. And I got uh, great support and great help from a couple of significant people in medicine who, um, who I think were very good to me over time. So I did a, a I did a, a four year uh, I did a three year degree uh, two two subjects per year uh, I then did honours full time while I was um, that was nineteen seventy five the year I was appointed head so I was full time student full time uh, academic and new in the job uh, so it was a busy year that year. And then I went into uh, doing a, a Doctor of Philosophy with um, a man called Jim Taylor, um, who'd, who'd, uh, a doctor who turned up from, um, uh, with a PhD uh, and who'd worked on the uh, intervertebral discs. So he was a very handy person to suddenly turn up at UWA and he became my supervisor, mentor, and we published together ever since. And in fact, I saw him about a month ago. He's a 90-year-old man now and um, living in Margaret River. Wow. How did you come across your PhD thesis topic? Um, I, um, I did a, a, a research topic for my um, uh, honours degree at UWA, uh, but I did that on quokkas. Uh, it was... <laughs> And it wasn't anything to do with spines. That was, I uh, looked at the rates of growth of the forelimbs and the hind limbs 
of the quokka, certain ex brachiurus. You know, quokkas are born after a 27-day gestation period, and they're born with big arms, big strong arms, because they have to pull themselves out of their mother's vagina up across and, and then move themselves across the fur into the pouch and latch on to a teat. So they've got these, so after 27 days after, after initial fertilisation, you've got these animals with hands and, and little stubs of feet. And over time, the feet grow enormously and the hands grow slowly. So it's a very interesting concept to, uh, to have to deal with. So that was my honours degree. Uh, I got into the other by um, meeting Jim Taylor when he came to uh, to um, sorry to to University of West Australia uh, from uh, Edinburgh, and uh, we had some long conversations. And uh, I was always intrigued with the the thought that most people thought um, when they looked at a, uh, an ageing spine, they were looking at a degenerative spine. And uh, the concept of normal ageing wasn't something that people were spending much time on. So we progressively looked to a, a cadaver series of experiments um, to um, measurements to uh, determine um, the difference between normal ageing and pathology. So, um, you know, very applicable to where we were going, to where the profession was going. Yeah, because as you say, perhaps not so much now because there's a lot of talk about age-related changes that are seen on, say, MRI with the, the advancement of imaging and the same with a lumbar spine. But at this, at this stage, the concept really was it's either normal or I guess it's considered pathology when we look at imaging. So your paradigm of looking at it from an age-related change, therefore it's normal, would have been quite unique at its time. Well, it was. It, it, well, it wasn't so much unique as I think people were moving into it, but they weren't uh, uh, very knowledgeable about it. And very often one would be confused with the other, uh, you know, either pathology confused with ageing or vice versa. Okay. Uh, so it was very important, I think, to try to uh, correct that. So the study we did in the end involved me in removing the lumbar spine from what ended up being 232 um, post-mortems uh, and uh, extracting it, measuring it, subjecting it to various strains of one sort or another and putting together a, 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 a program uh, and uh, publishing the, the data from that straight away. So before I finished my degree... Uh, my PhD, I had uh, about 20 publications in that area anyway. Wow. Uh, from progressively along the way, yeah. This is in medical journals and, uh, and specific journals like Spine. 
And to put this in context around the world, I'm just trying to think at that same time, are we talking about Nachmanson and other... Uh, Nachmanson marked my thesis. Right. And and I went and spent um, uh, uh, a few months with him. Uh, I took, you know, me and the kids, we all went off to Sweden for for a few months. Uh, I joined a group of orthopaedic surgeons from around the world, uh, England, uh, England, Italy, a couple of European places and the United States. And uh, I did the program with them. And in fact, I taught anatomy at the lumbar spine to the, to the others. They found in the end that um, my knowledge of that was well in front of theirs. And this was a major learning experience for me. I always uh, imagined how complex and, and knowledgeable other people were. And to find out that we, we really had um, a better fundamental knowledge of, of the structure and function of that part of the body was um, eye-opening, really. And uh, that taught me an enormous amount just the, the physical aspect of working with them for that time. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Physio Plus 10, in which I trust you gain some valuable insights. It'd be awesome if you could leave your two cents worth as a review or rating of this podcast and I look forward to sharing the story of another trailblazing physiotherapist with you in two weeks' time. Stay safe. Bye for now.